Help us to turn. Help us to follow you better and become more like your son. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we just finished the series in the Torah, right? And we, and we saw the full circle. And, and I, I, was, uh, I was actually in Atlanta when Doug was preaching last week and um, drinking some coffee, listening to him preach, which was, which was kind of cool, you know. Um, you know, the, the, the full, and, and, and thanks, I don't know if I saw Doug this morning yet or Spencer, but obviously Spencer's probably back in Costa. But, but it's awesome having those guys come up here and preach. And I'll, I'll tell you guys, like, this is the priesthood of all believers, like, this is why we do these things, because I know those guys, I respect those guys, I know their theology, I know, I know that they're going to teach biblical truths. They're not pastors, but they can preach. And so I invite, we invite them up, and we're like, here, you know, and, and so it, it's good. Um, and, and the small group leaders, right, like, you guys are leading in, in your small groups, and like, like, this is the whole point, right? Like, this isn't exclusive to like the one person that's standing up on the stage. God gives us his word for all of us. And it's, and it's, uh, it's our responsibility to pursue it, to dig in deep, and we'll, we'll talk about that as well in this parable today. Uh, but as, as they went, we went through the whole Torah series, which it, that, that, I got way more out of that than I thought I was going to get out of it. I don't know about you guys. Like, I, I was, um, I, think, I think my daughter actually was like, hey, I'd love to, you should do a series on the Torah. And I was like, said nobody ever. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm not trying. I mean, but it was incredible. It was really good. And it was phenomenal to see God working and, and how we started in his presence in the garden and how, how he was drawing closer and closer and revealing himself to us and dwelling in the midst of Israel, right? And, and now what we're going to see, and this is, this is why this is so cool, right? Because what we didn't get, right, we ended in Deuteronomy and, and like they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Well, obviously there's a huge gap between that and, and this, right? There's a huge gap between that and Jesus showing up. But what does God do? God dwells in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us, right? So not only is he like in cloud and smoke and in the tabernacle, in the midst of Israel and all of those things, and he goes with them and provides for them and protects them, he actually comes. And we're going to celebrate that on Christmas, right? That God with us, that God was born in the flesh and incarnate and came and revealed himself to us directly. And these are the words that he spoke. And so like, you can't get much closer than that, but you can, because then what does Jesus do? He leaves, and he goes, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with you forever. Well, that's, that's even better than Jesus being in your presence, right? Like, or, or walking next to Jesus, right? Is having God dwell within your heart. And this is what we're going to talk about, right, in this parable. Like, God plants the seed in your heart. This is, this is really close. Like, you can't get much closer than this from a God's presence perspective. And so, anyway, so um, enough of my introduction. Um, I really should start writing these things out so I don't spend that long on them. All right, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Okay, here's what's cool. So these parables um, are written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, not so much John. He really doesn't spend a lot of time in them. But if you turn over, we're going to basically anchor in Matthew chapter 13. Verse 3 is where we're going to start this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible, get it out. If you've got it on your phone, get it out. Get your highlight thing going or whatever. Um, 
And then what we're going to do is we're going to bounce in 13.3 and the, like the, the following, I think it's 4 through 9 is actually where the, the, the parable is. And we're going to bounce over to uh, verse 18 where he explains it. So we're going to be bouncing back and forth. And then a couple times I'm going to jump over to Mark and Luke because they kind of explain it. They, they, they quote Jesus a little bit differently. Um, and I would love to talk to you guys about like how beautiful that is that and this is how we know that scripture is unaltered and that it's faithful, right? Is because if you were trying to write the same story that Jesus said and you wanted to make sure all your uh, stories corroborated with each other, you would just make sure they said the same thing. And they don't, which I, for me um, helps me um, believe uh, in God's word. And so, um, so that's where we're going to be at. Matthew 13, Mark 4, um, and then Luke 8 are, are the parables of the story. If you want to write that in, in a corner or whatever. All right, so Matthew 13, 3, he says, or it says, and he told them many things in parables. So I'm going to spend the first part of this like, why parables? What are we doing with parables? What, what, what's the point of this? Why doesn't Jesus just tell us, just give us the facts, right? Like, why, why does he do this? Um, so here's, here's the parables. Here's what it looks like, a little Venn diagram, just because I'm a geek. Um, so... You know, so you can just read, like, which ones are exclusive to Matthew, which ones are exclusive to Luke, which ones are in common. Um, it's just kind of neat, right, because of, of the different, right, and, and Mark was writing down, um, Mark was writing down what Peter had, uh, had seen and heard, and right, and so you've got this, you've got just these different, like, hey, I remember that story, and I remember this story. You know, it'd be like if, if somebody asked you, like, tell me a story from your grandparents, you know, like you might tell a different story than your brother or your sister might tell, right? Because you just remember different things for whatever reason. And so this is what they do. And some of them are common. And when they are common, guess what they don't ever do? They don't ever like conflict with each other. It's not like, and the point was this. And then the other one's like, the point was this. It's not like that. There's minor nuances between them, which is, which is cool because you get a little it's better, better facets of it, better picture of it. And then John's on his own island, right? Like, he, he's got a completely different purpose. And he says that in, in the gospel, right? Like, these are written so that you will know, so that you will believe. Like, John, John's gospel is not what we would call one of the synoptic gospels. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. But the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the ones that are all telling Jesus' story. John is like, here's my plan. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm telling, right? And so that's why if you've ever you know, read John distinctly from the others. It's very different. All right. So go down to verse 10. I'm going to bounce around a little bit here uh, as we kind of learn about parables first. So Matthew 13, 10. It says, then the disciples came and said to him. So he, he finishes telling the parable, which we'll get back to. Just hang tight. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? It's a good question. Just tell us. Tell us what you're saying. I would just, this would be a lot easier, Jesus, if you didn't do this in riddles. And he answered them, to you, underline you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Well, that seems very seems very stifling, very compartmentalized, very like, like this you and them. So turn over um, to Mark chapter 4, verse 10. 
question that we need to ask first is, who's you and them? Right? Are we the you? Are the disciples the you? Is, is Jesus going like, there's only, some, there's only special people that I'm going to talk to and give, give them the truth. The rest is all going to be riddles. Listen to what he says. Verse 10, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Who draws the line? When does the line get drawn? Who's outside? Who's inside? That's what this whole parable is about. That's the beautiful thing. And so we're going to walk through this, and we see this, that it's not this like, if you understand it, you understand it, and you've got this like set special secret knowledge, and everybody else is like, sorry, bro, I'd explain it to you, but you don't have the secrets. That's not it. In fact, if you look, Matthew 13, 13. Sorry, not cool. Well, yeah, yeah, go to Matthew 13, 13. So then listen to what he, he says. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and, there's, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. It's a really convicting passage here, right? And we don't need to spend the time going like, well, what's going on here? Like, what Jesus is saying is going like, open your eyes, open your ears, and you'll be on the inside. Close your eyes, close your ears, harden your heart, and it's not going to make any sense. That's it. In fact, go to, go to Isaiah 6. We'll finish, we'll finish that quote. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, is what we just read. In Isaiah 6, 11, he continues on, and he says, Then I said, How long, O Lord? Like, how, long, how long are people not going to see and understand and perceive? How long is that going to last? That's, that's the question. And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. So he's saying like, people aren't going to understand. There's going to be idolatry and immorality and things are going to get bad and things are going to get burned and there's going to be just, things are going to get bad. That's what he's saying here. And he says, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it's felled, the holy seed is its stump. The picture here is, is a barren wasteland and there's just like a stump in the ground. And everything else is gone. 
This is how long it's going to be. This is what's going to happen, right? And we're not going to get into like revelation and like and end times and all that stuff. But, he, but what he points to, he says the holy seed, the offspring. You know what that's from? Genesis 3.15. That Jesus is that holy seed, that offspring that was to come, that was going to step on the serpent's head and crush the serpent. That was the promise from back in Genesis. And here Isaiah is going, it's that out of that stump, that's what's going to grow. That's what's going to grow. So he's pointing to Jesus, and, and then here shows up Jesus. And so what, what Jesus is saying, what he's pointing to here, is like, this is why. This is what's happening. And so you would think, well, okay, well then, this should be really easy. I mean, the disciples were cruising around with Jesus. They'll totally understand everything, right? Right? Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Right after he finishes the parable of the sower, they ask him these questions. Then he says, and says, and he said to them, do you not understand the parable? Which, I find this parable to be relatively easy, right? It's not very convoluted. It's not difficult. Four soils, we'll get into it. But I'm like, the disciples were like mystic. Jesus, can you explain that to me? I just don't understand the four soils. You're like, really? I don't know. They were fishermen. Uh, maybe. That's not a, anybody's a fisherman. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so, so it, even the disciples didn't understand. So this inside-outside thing, don't think of this as like you're part of the club and you're not part of the club. You with me here? So what's the point of the parables? We're going to skip the Psalm 1, Janelle. But, so what's the point of the parables? Why does he teach in parables? The, the first one is, it's a sign of judgment. You don't understand? Why don't you understand? Where's your heart? What are you looking at? What are you trying to get out of this? Right? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that, uh, that it's foolishness. God's word is foolishness to those who are perishing. Foolishness. And we see that, right? People go like, I don't understand. Like, you, you read this old book? It seems ridiculous. Well, have you read it? Yeah, I've read it. Cover to cover. I still think it's ridiculous. Are your eyes open? Are your ears open? Are you trying to understand it? Or are you just reading it? Right? There's a difference there, isn't there? I mean... Raise your hand if you've ever read your Bible for a Bible study in the morning and you didn't have your eyes or ears open. You were just reading it. Well, you can read it. It's easy. There's a difference to that. And so it's a sign of judgment that, that when, we, when we do this, like, it, what am I doing? Why don't I understand this? Why is this hard to grasp? Okay, but, but second, stories are easy to remember. They're easy to remember. I mean, you're in a, you're in a relatively illiterate culture. It's really easy to tell a story. You could go through a bunch of nursery rhymes and you could tell a bunch of, right? Like we could probably rattle off a bunch of nursery rhymes, right? They're easy stories. What's, what's the point of them? The moral. What's the moral of the story, right? You tell your kids this nursery rhyme, you're like, here, here's a nice little nursery rhyme. Remember this. Do they get the moral? Not always. 
as they get older, they get the moral a little bit better. You see, they're packed with truth. Okay, you guys ready? <laughs> I did this this morning with Melissa, and it was hilarious. Goldilocks and the three bears. What is the moral of that story? <laughs> I kid you not. Go home and Google it. Nobody really knows. And there's, there's really, like, I, one theory. I mean, so if you guys aren't familiar, right? Goldilocks, which apparently in the original story, it was like a really nasty, mean old lady. Not Goldilocks. Like, not the, not the young girl. Anyway. Whatever. It was written like the 19th century. Um, and so... Um, Goes in, breaks into the bear's house. <laughs> She's, she breaks into the bear's house. She, there's one porridge that's too hot, one that's too cold, one that's just right. She eats one that's just right. She goes and sits on a chair. One's like too big or, yeah, one's too big, one's too small. One's just right. She breaks it. She goes in the bed. One's too firm, one's too soft, one's just right. She falls asleep. The bears come home. She freaks out and leaves. That's the end of the story. I read so many versions of that this morning. I'm like, there's got to be more. <laughs> How do we all know this story? Does anybody know the moral of this story? I mean, one person was like, <laughs> there's three sized people in this world. <laughs> okay. That's, that's one of them. Another one is like, respect other people's property. I'm like, I feel like you could have done that in a different way. <laughs> Apparently, there's a rule. It's called the Goldilocks rule. Have you heard of this? And it's like, why, do you, why, why does McDonald's have a small, medium, and large? Because you'll pick the medium. If you just had a small or a large, you'd pick the small, and you wouldn't spend as much. I'm like, okay. I don't have an answer for you. Here's the good part. It's not in the Bible, and so I don't really care. Um, so we're moving on. But here's what's important. <laughs> but here's what's important. We can, and we got to be really cautious when we go through these parables, because you can start to um, make up your own lesson out of it. It's really easy to do that. And so we have to be really faithful to the text. And we have to be really cautious about how we handle this, Okay. Um, historically, the church hasn't done a great job of this, honestly. St. Augustine interpreted the, the uh, Good Samaritan par uh, parable like crazily, like really crazily. Um, and he allegorized it. Everything had a thing. It was like, okay, well, the road was this, and, and the person was this. And it's like, uh, yeah, no. No, I don't think that's what Jesus' point was. Like, for example, in the, the, the parable of the sower, God... Um, is this, I'll break, yeah, I mean, I haven't read it yet, but like, he's the sower, right? <laughs> he's the farmer. And it says that the farmer came out to sow his seed. That's Jesus being incarnate. That's Jesus coming down to earth. Well, I mean, that's true that he did, but I don't think that was the point of the parable. You see what I mean? That's the allegorizing. That's where you're like, what does it mean when the farmer came out to sow the seed? Well, I, I think he was just setting the stage to tell what was going to happen next. I don't think there was much. So we have to be cautious, okay? And I'm going to try to be really cautious here and, and as we walk through these things because it's a lot of subjectivity, right? Jesus doesn't break down every single player and piece in this, and so we have to be faithful to that. 
And then expansion. You can take this parable too far. The sower goes out and he throws seed. Some lands on the path. Some lands on rocks. You're like, what a horrible farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Seems pretty inefficient to me. Did you know where the path was? Why were you putting seed there? This is not the point of the parable. Would you agree? And so these are the things that we got to be careful of. Is expanding them too far, okay? So, all right, with all of that said, let's get into the parable. Um, All right, so Matthew 13, verse 4. I think I skipped the first part of this. So it says in 13.3, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds, fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's four soils. Underline them. You got a path, you got a rocky ground, you got thorny soil, and you got good soil. And we're going to just step through each one of these and, and see what Jesus talks about. So the first one, 13.4. He sowed some seeds, fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. So turn over to Matthew 13, 18, where Jesus explains this. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So you just have, it's a hardened heart. It hasn't been watered or tilled. The word of God just bounces, right? Those are the characters, right? You've got God as the sower. You've got the soils are our hearts, and the seed is God's word. And so when, when you hear God's word, Jesus says some people hear it, and their hearts are hard, and it just bounces off. I mean, you could, you could picture that if you go to, can you go to the, I mean, you could picture that, right? You could picture seed just landing on that and just bouncing. It's never going to, it's never going to go into the ground. It's never going to produce anything. Now, maybe I should have said this before. That's the point of sowing, right? To produce something. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the sower went out to sow seed was to produce something. There was a, there was a goal. He wasn't just throwing out the seed just for the sake of the seed landing on the soil, there was a goal, there was an objective. There's something happening. There's a purpose to why the sower went out. There's a purpose why God gives us his word. There's a purpose for us in our lives. And so the question, the first question is, is why, why is some of the soil hard? Why are some hearts hard? Turn over to John chapter 12. Verse 37. 
Listen to what John says. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, right? This is Jesus doing all these miracles. And John says, they still didn't believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. They did not believe, so they could not believe. And then he quotes Isaiah 6, 9. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. They would not believe. Their hearts were hard. We read this in Romans chapter 1, when Paul is talking about general revelation, and he says in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Darkened, hardened, it's the same thing. They, they, they knew God. They, they clear, and he goes on to say, God's clearly perceived his invisible nature, right? Like, like who God is and his power is clearly evident in this world. And yet their, their eyes can't see it and they're, Ears can't hear it. They don't understand it. Turn over to Psalm 95. Psalm 95, verse 7. Listen to what the psalmist says. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. Meribah was when, you guys, we just talked about this, right? It was when they had no water, right? Sour water. Do not harden your hearts. Don't do it. Listen. Be receptive. I mean, it's easy. It's easy for us to just let God's word bounce, to come in here and just do the motions and go, all right, well, things are good. No. Water. Water that ground. Till it. Dig in. Try to understand. Don't be callous. Because if you do not you won't be able to. They did not believe and so they could not believe. It's a choice. Just choose not to have a hardened heart. Pursue God. We don't need to get into God's sovereignty and all of those things. You have a choice to make. You can sit here and you can just tune me out. You can tune out God's word, more importantly. Or you can listen to it with half an ear. And not really try to understand it. And that's what he says. And so Jesus says, here's the soils. The first one, just, it's hardened. Like, you can talk all day long. And the person's not going to hear. All right, Matthew 13, verse 5. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root... They withered away. 
Okay, this is a different one. This is a different situation now. Look at what Jesus says uh, to explain this one in uh, verse 20. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. If you've got a Bible open, underline that, no root. Turn over to Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Luke will will explain this a little bit differently. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Because they have no root. Right? If if you've got a good root, I don't know if you've ever had a plant that you're like, man, I think that's going to die. And then all of a sudden, it starts leafing out, and you're like, go roots. Like, it it had a root. Like, it, it was getting nourishment that I knew nothing about, right? That's what he's pointing to. So what's your root? Like, this isn't passive faith. This isn't just sitting back going, well, God will save me or he won't save me. It's not the point. Don't let your heart be hardened. Dig in. Get a root. Go dig into Scripture. Go learn. Go try to understand the truths of God. Don't leave this for professionals. Don't leave this for other people to give you the information that you need. Go, get it. Pursue it. Man, we've got so many resources available to us now, right? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Let me caveat this. This doesn't mean you got to be an intellect. This doesn't mean you got to be like, you got to go get a PhD in biblical scholar. It doesn't. God helps us understand. The Holy Spirit causes us to remember Jesus' words, convicts us, helps us understand things, right? God's power does that. You need to be faithful and you got to at least crack the book open, right? And spend some time. He says in Hebrews 5.12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. I don't think I added these in, but verse 13, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good don't we want to be able to do that we want the end of that we want to be able to know what's good and evil we want to be able to discern what does god want for my life we want everybody wants that and we go well just i don't know just give it to me god he goes "I, i did now read it dig in spend time with with a community of believers and and understand build relationships and encourage and exhort each other and right like god goes i I gave you everything, so dig in. Now here's the comforting part. John 10, 28, Jesus says that no one can snatch you out of his hand. This isn't like, oh, let me, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure my root's deep enough because if I don't, I'm smoked. 
And like the sun's, sun's going to come out, time of testing's going to happen, and there's no way I'm going to survive. And so I, like, I just, no, that's not it. And there's no panic. There's no panic. There's faithfulness. There's a relationship that Jesus gave you with the Father, right? You have an ability to, to draw in close to him, feel his embrace, and call him Abba Father. Yeah. So don't worry about it, but, but invest in the relationship. All right, back to Matthew 13, 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. We'll jump over to 13, 22. Jesus explains this. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Turn over to Mark. He describes this, Mark chapter 4, he describes this a little bit differently. Mark 4, verse 8, sorry, 18. He said, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I particularly like Mark's desires for other things. That's pretty much it, isn't it? It's a super vague statement. Deceitfulness of riches, okay, I, I understand that. Cares of the world, I understand that. Desires for other things. This is us, you guys. Is it not? I mean, it can be us, very easily. There's thorns all around. There's things that are choking us so that we are unfruitful. And God's point in this was to sow seed to produce fruit. And here we are, caring about the things of the world, desiring other things, pursuing riches, and going, that's why I'm here. You know, it's funny, because it's not that the soil is bad. In fact, it's probably pretty good soil. But there's thorns there too. <laughs> you know, Jesus isn't, this is, this is kind of like in the same section, it just hasn't been weeded, right? And we'll get into that parable, I think, next week or something. But there's thorns. There's, there's things that distract us. There's th things that pull us. And we need to be aware of that. There's a lot that could be said on this one. And I don't know that my words are, are worthy of the time, but um, it's easy for us to not be about the things of God, frankly. It's real easy. Um, and so I, my encouragement to us, and I think the reason why Jesus points this one out 
because he goes, don't be naive. Don't think that just because you got the seed planted in your soil and it's growing up and everything's good. Don't be distracted. You've got a purpose here to produce fruit. And, that, and, that's, the, and that's the last one, right? Um, 13.8, Matthew 13.8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then in verse 23, he explains this. And he says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Produces fruit. This is why you exist. <laughs> this is why we exist. Could you imagine if you planted a seed and something else came up? You're like, that's not what I planted. Or nothing came up? Like this is, you exist because God chose you to exist. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. It's all of us. We're all in different contexts and different places in our lives. And you all have different jobs and you have different schedules and you have different things and resources and talents. Doesn't, yes. But we are called to produce fruit. This isn't good deeds. This isn't just being a moral person. This is producing fruit. It's building God's kingdom. It's being about his business. It's sharing the gospel. It's communicating God's word. It's, it's, it's living a life that reflects Christ to this world. It's being a light. That's the point. That, that people would see your marriage and see that. And see that in some way as Christ's love for the church. <laughs> How is that even possible? Or that our love for each other would show the world that we're disciples of Christ. <laughs> really? And you see, these are the things that are the fruit. These are the things that God wants for us. It's not about going out and just being a good moral person. That has nothing to do with it. It's pointing to the cross. It's pointing to Christ. It's pointing to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's pointing to a God who wants to dwell with you, who wants to have a reconciled relationship with you and made it happen. That you don't have to do anything except trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And then, oh, and then be receptive and listen to God's commands and have a relationship with him. That, that's it. That's all. That's why it's called the good news. And somehow he entrusts the good news to some really jacked up people. Right? I mean, we are a sorry bunch. And this is how God is planning on building his church. Clearly it's his power and not ours. But this is what he chose to do. 
to produce fruit. Turn to Matthew 5, 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Do people encounter us and see us as a light on the hill? Because that's what we're called to be. And we don't have to, we don't do the building. We just do like the watering a little bit, right? God does the work. But who? But no one will hear if no one's preaching. And that, that's just not here. That's in our lives. It's proclaiming the gospel in our lives. And so this is what, this is what Jesus means when he's talking about the parable of the soils. He's like, man, like you've got all these things coming at you, man. You can harden your heart. You can not dig in deep. You can get choked out by the thorns. You can be good soil and produce fruit. This is, these are Jesus' words, not mine. So the question for us today is, which one are we? I mean, clearly, we, we all want to be the good soil. But we got to know. We, don't be naive. We got to know what, what the threats are out there. Some of those threats are internal. Some of those threats are external. But they're threats nonetheless. And again, this isn't to say that the power lies in our hands. But we need to pursue God and pursue and produce fruit in our lives for God's glory.